You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome back to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast between books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Mervyn Yuan. And I'm Rira Yu. And this is our, I guess, technically our second episode of 2019. Yes, because we recorded late on our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it's our first official, I guess, catch-up episode of Books and Boba. It's been a while since we had one of these, and uh, Rira has graciously helped collate a bunch of upcoming news and book deals uh, for us to go over on this episode. How's your January going? My January? Um, well, it hasn't been great, but oh, I no. hope it, get bet- it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, sorry to hear that. How's your January going? Mine has been busy. I've been busy just like in general for work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm juggling like three different projects right now. Um, I'm about to head to PodCon um, at the end of this week um, to speak on a diversity panel for podcasting. Um, So if you're in Seattle and are going to be at PodCon, uh, our panel is Saturday at 4 p.m. And I'm uh, I'm like the only small independent podcaster in the panel. Everyone else is like a huge deal and works for like big networks and and outlets. And I'm like kind of freaked out. You'll be fine. Like, I mean, you're like the godfather of podcasts in no. like the little Tokyo area. <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a semi medium sized fish in a small pond. Yes, that's true. Um, but I am about to enter the ocean of the podcasting world. But I'm excited. There's going to be a lot of people there that I listen to and I idolize, and I'm just going to try not to make a damn fool of myself. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when uh, we both went down to San Diego. Or like we went at separate separate times and we ended up at the McElroy oh, yeah. show. That was that was really fun. That was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, they're going to be there, and I'm going to try to catch some of their uh, workshops and panels and meetups. So yeah. uh, excited! Uh, and then the week after that, I'm headed to Sundance. I'm helping produce an event on Sunday for Asian American filmmakers in the Sundance area mm-hmm. or, that are going to be at Sundance um, doing like a panel meetup, um, and that's been taking up a lot of my time as well. And basically, I'm going to a lot of places that are going to be super cold. Well, it hasn't really been warm in L.A. lately. It is like raining cats and dogs outside right now. Yeah. I mean, we're getting rain and it's like maybe a little under 50 degrees. I don't know. That's cold to me. <laughs> you're, <laughs> it, from New, you're from New York. Yeah. But the thing is, I got rid of most of my like winter stuff. Right. Yeah. I was like really mad uh, today because... Like yesterday, I was supposed to do errands, but then I was like, oh, it's raining. I'll just wait tomorrow. And then it <laughs> rains even harder today. And I'm like, I don't have any trench coats. All of my rain stuff is gone. That's true because we've had had a like decade long drought. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us aren't equipped for rain neither. And this was my problem when I was living on the East Coast. When I was in Maryland, where it rains like half the year, I was never like because I was raised in California. I never check the weather when I go out the door. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I get rained on every other day. 
I, I think I went through about like 10 umbrellas when I went to school in New York because <laughs> it does it doesn't matter at a certain point because uh, because of the way the city is laid out all of the wind is going into like one avenue so you'll have you'll like churn a street corner and then like the rain is suddenly horizontal right. and an umbrella does absolutely nothing yeah but well, this episode isn't about our weather woes no but we're it's we're from LA we we like to complain a lot about weather everyone not from LA is like that's why yeah, they look down on us yeah my friend from St. Louis uh, she said that there was 9 inches of snow really <laughs> like earlier this week and i was like my friend from maryland ah, said they had no. a foot of snow like last night a foot of snow yeah it's it was pretty bad it was a forecast to be like an inch and a half and they got 12 inches good I'm stuff so, i'm so glad i don't live <laughs> li- live in the east coast or anywhere that is like like snow climate <laughs> like you know when i lived in maryland i lived in apartment buildings so i didn't have to shovel or anything the city did it for me mm-hmm. so I, I never really had to experience that I had to do that when I went to like elementary and middle school in the <laughs> East Coast. And then when I started living in Manhattan for, for college, um, it would it would be nice at like 8 a.m. in the morning. And then once it turned like 9 or 10, the streets were just like black snow. Oh, no. It's just like slush. Yeah. And, and that was when I was like, I never want to be <laughs> in the East Coast. And like, I don't want to be here anymore. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yes, let's move on to yeah. uh, book news and book deals. Yeah, this is going to be our mid-month uh, book news episode. We're going to be talking about um, recent news in the world of literature. Let's well before we get started, just to remind everybody that our we're doing something kind of experimental. Not, yeah, so our January book club pick is going to be Rainbirds by Clarissa Gonawan. Uh, we'll be. Uh, that's a book that Rira has read and I'm currently reading, and we're going to be talking about that in the next episode of Books and Boba at the end of the month. But we're also reading Grace of Kings by Ken Liu. Um, that is, like, I guess, January slash February. Uh, we're giving you two months to read that book because it's a very, very long book. Mm-hmm. And we'll be discussing that at the end of February. Uh, so... Uh, please read along with us. And if you've already finished either book, please feel free to start leaving your thoughts and, and feelings on our Goodreads forums. Uh, that's a book that I've already read and Rira is currently reading my copy of the book. So. Yeah, I've held on to that copy for two years. So now <laughs> it's time to actually read it and yeah. uh, return that copy back to you. So yeah, looking forward to discussing those books with you. Uh, and on that note, what's our first news story? Um, so Crazy Rich Asians won the Critic Choice Award for Best Comedy this week. I don't Hooray. watch the Critic Choice Award, but um, it's been getting a lot of buzz uh, during the award season, which is uh, surprising since it's a rom com. But I'm I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is an important movie, um, and it is based on a book, which is why it's on our news list. I mean, it's nice that you know a movie where most of the cast members are if yeah. not all of the cast members are are asian and you know it's kind of like a really big milestone and um yeah and it's cool that it's based on a book you know <laughs> yeah a lot of uh, i think there's going to be a lot or i hope i hope there's going to be a lot more uh, mining of asian american literature uh for books and stories to uh to adapt because we've 
we're two for two for right now, I think. And about to become, there, there's a bunch in the works, right? There's yes, um, uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, Little Fires Everywhere is being adapted by Hulu. Uh, P.S. I Love You. Oh, yeah. Um, to All the Boys I Loved Before. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, uh, The Kiss Quotient. It got picked up. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if they're in like the screenwriting process, um, but it was picked up like a couple months ago. Um Aisha at last also got picked up for for movies, right. movie stuff. So, Pachinko yeah, got acquired by Apple mm-hmm. Television. I, yeah. They just acquired another one too, but I'm forgetting it. So, yeah. But yeah. speaking of movie rights, that's our next piece of news. Disney won dramatic rights in an auction to Melissa De La Cruz's newest novel, Twenty Nine Dates. Uh, the book follows a 16 year old Korean exchange student, Jisoo Kim. Concerned by their daughter's lack of attention to her school and future, Jisoo's parents ship her off to a private school in San Francisco and sets her up on a number of blind dates through a matchmaker. This sounds like your worst nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, blind dates are nothing new when it comes to uh, Korean parents. They're very no- very nosy. Um, uh, and... It's interesting because this, because um, like it's for Disney's streaming platform, right? Yeah, like I keep forgetting that Disney is doing that. They haven't launched it yet, right? No, they haven't launched yeah. it yet, but they did produce um, the film adaptation. Is it film? Some kind of adaptation of Star Girl, which is uh, which is by Jerry Spinelli, and I freaking love that book. Like <laughs> when I was a teenager, so I'm pretty excited to see it. But I don't know if I'm willing to pay money to get Disney Plus. Mm. They're gonna have to make some very compelling content for that to work. Yeah, I mean, is it is it that like they're taking away all Disney movies from like other platforms and then just putting it onto their own? I would think so. I mean, Disney does have a very compelling catalog of content, and if they want to drive people to their platform, it makes sense for them to um, have it be the exclusive place to, to watch it. So we'll see if this works out or not because it, uh, the interesting thing here from a business perspective is whether or not Disney can actually get people to sign on to their platform or, you know, after a couple years of running, they realize they, they make more money if they just um, license out to the other platform. So, yeah, I mean, know. there's also like the, like if you're a parent and your kids are watching Disney movies over and over and over again, you're just going to buy the movie, right? You're not going to actually invest in the streaming platform for them. Probably because kids what kids like watching the same movie over, over and, and over, over again, again. Um, because that's what kids do. And I mean, Netflix already has a pretty good lineup of kids programming too. Mm-hmm. So I think... It really depends whether or not you've conditioned your child to demand Disney content. And if that's the case, really, that's really your own your own fault, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't judge. But I'm just saying there are Disney alternatives you could probably hook your kids on. Not, not really. <laughs> I, I don't think so. They're not as good as, as Disney films. But, I mean, this concept sounds pretty cool i love the idea of the blind dates but from an asian like point of view which uh, has an added level of pressure i feel like yeah or maybe for me it's just an added level of um relatability and recognition i i feel like in in like modern korean culture 
because there's there's really not something like Tinder where you just date <laughs> random strangers. Like you get you go on dates with a friend of a friend of a friend. Like it's always like this network of people that you know. It's the like it's the church network, right? Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. It's like the church network or like the the college network. It's like oh, I right. went to the same class as this person, and he like oh. he's looking for someone. Are you interested? See, the Chinese version of this would be, have you heard of the marriage markets? It's where parents yes. go to the park to meet other parents and set up their kids on blind dates. I've watched a documentary on this. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrifying. There is actually, I, I was when I was in China um, this past winter, they have a TV show where the parents of bachelors compete to set their sons up on dates with single ladies who are like the contestants. And that is just me shaking my head <laughs> from the mic. I don't know how else to express my uh, my shock. It's fascinating this. television that can only work in China because if it if they made it for like like American audiences, they would they would not get it. At they wouldn't. Uh, yeah, it would be more cheesy and less like sincere. You know what that <laughs> reminds me of? Like there was there was an MTV show where uh, like the premise of the show was kind of similar. Like a guy, <laughs> like there are like three girls. And the guy has to go on a date with their moms. Oh. And then he, like, like based on what he hears from the moms, being like, okay, I think I'm a good match for this girl. And then he, like, picks whoever he wants to date afterward. Yeah, kind of like that, except um, Flipped, it's a girl interviewing the, the parents yeah, of the guy. Of the guys. And um, the first one is actually the parents deciding whether the girl's good enough for their son through, like, a video. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Ah, yikes. Okay, moving on to the next piece of news. Okay, so um, on January 1st, Netflix premiered Marie Kondo's uh, new show, Tidying Up. I don't know if you've seen her book. I've watched the first three episodes. Oh, you have? So tell me me how it is, because, like, I I know about her book. (laughs) I know about her process. But, like, I don't know, like, what the deal is with her going to American families and, like, it, does she like declutter everything for them? It's actually a pretty like low key type of show. It's not. There's not a lot of um, Schadenfreude in terms of like you're she, when she comes in, she's pretty much walking them through the process like a consultant, taking in their story and helping them through the steps of her um, that her book lays out. Um, and each family has a different um, circumstance. So the first family is a couple that's young parents, and basically the clutter is kind of making them a little anxious. Yeah. Um, the second episode is with empty nesters who've accumulated decades of junk from, you know, having three kids and yeah. a full life together. The next episode, I think, is a recent widow whose husband just passed away, so they're trying to, like... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, that can be really over. hard. And then one is, like, a family that moved from a bigger house to a smaller house. I think that's the last one I watched. Okay. Um, but it's... um. It kind of takes the the light kind of um, airiness, I guess, of like a terrace house. Where yeah, it's that's, like, that's what I heard. I heard that it, it has kind of like this positive energy. Yeah, it's a very positive show. Yeah, um, I know that like when her book came out in America, I think it was like 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. I remember everyone buying it. <laughs> and I remember all of my friends were doing her method. It's called the KonMari method. Yeah. And it... I mean, I think I think you can explain it more, uh, like better than I I can. But I mean, it's the basic concept is making sure that the stuff you own sparks joy, 
right? So ah, uh, yes, that terminology yeah. spark joy because I've been seeing so many memes <laughs> memes of that on Twitter, and I was so confused. I was like, uh, what What is this? Like, why do why why are people like the, mentioning the best one I saw was like applying the Komari method to like RPG inventories? Oh my god! And like, I know that's, I don't really amazing. use this high potion, but I still need ninety nine of them in my inventory at all times. Yeah. I think the fu- I think the funniest one that I've seen is like the does this man spark joy in you and like the crowd says no and it's like into the fire he goes yeah but I think the underlying message here is like we all have a lot of stuff we don't use anymore mm-hmm. and sometimes it's better to go through what you own and like kind of realize that some things have outlived their usefulness some things um, don't spark that joy. Um, I, I heard that like do. the I heard that the final uh, step in her Konmari method is to like any items that you're going to discard, you're supposed to like thank it for for like it yeah. being part of your life, and it's like thank you for yeah yeah thank you for being a part of my life. <laughs> now you are going into this recycling bin. I think the positive thing is like kind of realizing that everything had a purpose at one point, mm. um, and even if if it doesn't spark joy now, it did at some point. And sometimes going through your stuff and seeing, like, remembering where things came from, yeah. it sparks, like, good memories. But you also realize, I'm never going to wear this again. Um, it might be better. It's, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure I have books on my bookshelf where I'm <laughs> like, uh, it has definitely overstayed its welcome and <laughs> its use. It's like, why do I have this book? Oh, right, because someone gave it to me and I didn't like it. But yeah. it's still on my bookshelf for some reason. I still have <laughs> I still have a lot of my college textbooks. Yeah. Simply because I, I just like, I, I feel <laughs> like I need it, but I don't. Because a lot of it was like production manuals being like oh this is how you budget this is how you do this and i'm like i don't know if i'll ever use this but it's good to have it right but then i don't think that is a good mentality to have i feel like i would get really anxious watching the show (laughs) because i will just like criticize myself while watching it you do realize how like a bunch of a trash person you are by watching this show oh wonderful i I think that's self-loathing but i did hear that um that like after the show aired like donations at charity shops like went crazy like uh like i heard that like the goodwills in in washington like the the donation rate went up by 66 (laughs) percent same thing in new york like a lot of charity shops there also went up by 50 percent i'm not surprised that's a lot of stuff (laughs) what are they gonna do with all that stuff i mean i was looking at my closet and looking at all the stuff i never wear anymore and saying at some point i'm gonna have to do this go through this process but not today. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year. I know. It's kind of it's really cool to see um something like like Marie Kondo catch on. And super cool that it'll lead people to read her book probably. Um or just use the TV show as a guide. Yeah. However you want to Marie Kondo your life. Or- I mean her book is always like in like like the top ten best like yeah. sellers on, on Amazon or something. So I mean there's there is some truth to feeling better after you've done a good cleaning right yeah yeah but also if you just throw out all the things that don't bring you joy you still need to buy things that will give you joy so it's like if you don't have money to replace like say if this (laughs) this old frying pan gives me no more joy and then you decide to toss it and you want to get like a cuter version i'm pretty sure that's like that's extra i don't think that's what she tells you to do 
if if you want to have like a really organized closet or whatever, then you have to like buy organizational boxes for your closet, and yeah. that costs money. <laughs> I don't. I I am just a frugal person, and the thought of tossing everything out is kind of scary. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's tossing everything. I know out. it's not tossing everything out, but it feels like it. But. If nothing you own brings you joy, I would question your consumption patterns, honestly. It's true. <laughs> All right. So our first book deal um, on our list is Candlewick Acquired Three Board Books by Chihiro Takeuchi. Uh, the titles are Colors, Animals, and ABC. All are done in intricately patterned paper cutouts. Publication is slated for fall 2019. Rira, explain to me what a board book is. A board book is pretty much like um, like you know how like picture books they they're just like made out of like thin sheets of paper or like they're just regular paper. Board books are made out of cardboard, oh. so they're kind of like more durable. Got it. I think I used to have some board books. Oh, I'm pretty sure you <laughs> you did. Every single kid did at some point. <laughs> uh, next up, Disney Hyperion acquired Julie Young's The Fearless Flights of Hazel Ying, a picture book biography about the first Chinese-American woman pilot to fly for the U.S. military. The book will be illustrated by Julie Kwan. Publication is set for fall 2020. Have you heard of this story? No, I haven't. Uh, in World War II, uh, they needed civilian pilots to fly fighter planes from hangar, like the hangar where they manufactured it, um, to hangars where the actual fighter pilots are stationed. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of these pilots were women, and one of them was a Chinese-American woman. Oh, that's really cool. This sounds like something that needs to be made into a movie. Maybe it has (laughs) already? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think the, I mean, the, the story made the rounds on one of those, like, history, like, explainer videos a couple years ago during like um asian american heritage heritage month uh but as far as i know i don't think there's been an actual adaptation in like video form so you're telling me that kids who read this book will know more about the subject than than i do as as someone in my late 20s probably uh that's so sad um next up is uh scholastic bot elsie chapman's ya fantasy novel caster Pitched as a Chinese-inspired fight club with magic, the book is set on an earth already at the brink of environmental disaster due to the overuse of magic. 16-year-old Aza Wu navigates through an illegal underground battle magic tournament while evading local gangs and police scouts to save her family from ruin. Publication is set for fall 2019. This sounds pretty awesome. What? Chinese-inspired fight club? (laughs) This sounds amazing. It's pretty cool that this is... uh... This is getting made. I'm like, I'm super excited, even though, you know, it's YA. Speaking of uh, being excited for for <laughs> books, I don't, that segue was not very good, but I'm going to roll <laughs> with it. Um, so since there weren't a lot of book news and deals, I thought it would be cool if I introduced a couple books that I'm interested in reading in 2019 or. Um, this is a long list. <laughs> not really there's only nine books on here only nine books. only nine books uh but i will try to quickly go through them maybe there will be some that you want to read yeah maybe um so um i'm gonna do this by date order so um the first book on my list is here and now by mike chen 
It releases on January 29th, and uh, pretty much it's a time travel novel. So it's about Ken Stewart, who is a time-traveling secret agent from 2142, and he gets shot with a bullet by one of his targets, and he's ultimately stranded in 1996 suburban San Francisco. And uh, he kind of breaks protocol by getting married and having a daughter, because being a time travel secret agent, you're not allowed to settle down in any kind of timeline. That's not where you're from. And uh, pretty much like he kind of has memory losses because he's stuck in the past and, you know, he has a whole different life now. But then the future catches up with him and the time traveling bureau, they get him out of the 20th century mm-hmm. And um, because they want to fix the timeline that he kind of ruined, they're trying to eliminate his daughter. So he kind of like uh, he kind of like risks everything to, you know, prevent that from happening. (laughs) Time paradox. That's what they call that. I really like Doctor Who. So uh, this seems to be my jam. I'm really excited for it. And that's Here and Now by Mike Chen. Uh, Next book on my list is The Love and Lies of Rukshana Ali. And that's by Sabina Khan. Uh, who's the author of uh, Love, Hate, and Other Filters, which got great reviews. Um, That also releases on January 29th. And the book is about a 17-year-old girl who struggles to live up to her conservative Muslim parents. Um, She gets caught kissing her girlfriend, and her parents kind of freak out, and they send her to Bangladesh, which is... um, very different from the United States, yeah. and she's kind of thrown into a world of arranged marriages and uh, tradition. This is like the Muslim Desi version of Blind Dates by Korean parents. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the worse. thing that all of us share, you know, <laughs> our parents need to uh, butt into our marital um, not expectations, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 Um, Next book I have on my list is Interment by Samira Ahmed. We've talked about this on the podcast So this is the good version of this concept, right? Yeah, the good version (laughs) of uh, American Heart. Um, So that comes out on March 19th, and it's set in in the near future where um, Muslim Americans are sent to an internment camp. Um, And it centers on a 17-year-old girl named Layla Amin, and she kind of... Uh, teams up with the people at the internment camp and they try to start a revolution and and uh, try to break out of the internment camp. That's what I think. I'm not sure if that's exactly what happens, but it sounds really intriguing. I think it's a really timely book and yeah. I'm really excited to read it. Um, when it. When I first heard that it got picked up because we... We covered it in a previous episode where we were reading book deals. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be a good book. So I'm excited. Yeah. We'll see how that... Uh, <clears throat> it's a, still a very timely topic. I don't know if it'll ever not be timely, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, next up is Descendant of the Crane by Joan He, and it releases on April 2nd. Um, so the novel is being pitched as a Chinese-inspired Game of Thrones, already something that I am incredibly into at this moment. Um, it's set in a world where magic is forbidden, and the book follows a young princess who is thrust into power after the assassination of her father. 
She illicitly seeks aid in finding her father's killer through a soothsayer, and um, she's not sure if she can trust even her own family. So she employs an investigator who kind of is a convicted criminal with secrets of his own. So great person to hire when you are trying to figure out who is your dad's killer. Yeah. But I have this book. Uh, NetGalley offered, uh, NetGalley sent it to me uh, oh. through my Kindle. So I actually have it and I'm, I haven't started reading it, but I'm excited to. Yeah. The cover us, looks beautiful. Keep us updated on that. <laughs> um. The next one, I think you might be interested in reading, uh, Marvin. Um, it's called Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, and it releases on April 16th. And it's pretty much a courtroom drama, like a murder trial drama. Um, it takes place in rural Virginia, and um, these, like this Korean couple runs like an experimental medical treatment center, and... Uh, pretty much they have this device called the Miracle Submarine, and it uses pressurized oxygen um, that it's like an oxygen chamber that patients can enter for for therapy. And, and, they're, and like it's used to cure autism or infertility. It's kind of like an experimental treatment. Um, but one of their uh, chambers explodes and two people get killed. Uh-huh. So it's a courtroom drama, and the author, Angie Kim, she used to be a trial lawyer. So she's drawing on her own experiences <laughs> to write this. I'm not sure if I, if I will read this when it comes out, because I heard that one of, the, um, one of the people who were killed is, like, an autistic son. Oh. And, like, there's suspicion on the family, because they think that, like, they were trying to... Um, because, like, the pressure of raising a special needs child right. was, like, too great. And I'm like, that's a little bit too close to <laughs> to my life. Like, I, I have two autistic brothers, and it's incredibly hard to um, uh, to raise, like, special mm. needs children. So I, I don't know if I'll actually read this, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, anytime you hear about this thing cures infertility, I'm immediately skeptical. Because it yeah. just sounds... Like I mean, that's how I that feel about like oil, yeah. like that's how I feel about autism. They're like, this is the cure to autism, right. and I'm like, I I don't know about that. Same <laughs> thing with like people who say um, vaccines caused right. autism. That that report has been debunked so many times, but so many parents are like, they still believe it, so they don't vaccinate their kids. Yeah, it's always a subject that people either don't want to learn more about or refuse to learn more about because it it is a little like it it makes people feel bad right so they don't want to learn mm -hmm. more about it yeah. but i think i mean granted definitely trigger warnings for for um dealing with autistic children um but hopefully it also deals with like how the asian american community deals with mental health too yeah. right i mean the funny thing is the uh the couple's last name is the same as my last name. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, that's a little too close. Too close. too close. Uh, so the next one I have is Somewhere Only We Know by Maureen Gu, and that comes out on May 7th. And oh my God, I am so excited for this book. Yeah, this one has all your keywords in it. Yes. Uh, it's pitched as a modern day Roman holiday set in Hong Kong. And the book follows a K-pop star and... Uh, a charming convoy she meets, and he has like a 
father. He has like a dad who's in the paparazzi. So there is some juicy drama there. Yeah, it's already set up. Like <laughs> Maureen Gu like knows like what like what stories will like hook me because right. because I really loved her last book. And uh, I really want to read this one as well. <laughs> yeah, someone should just make a, like, instead of the Hallmark holiday series, just make the Moringu K-drama-inspired rom-com movie series. That someone would be, make that it. That would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> someone make it. Uh, next, I have I Love You So Mochi by Sarah Kuhn, and that releases on May 28th. Um, so this is a YA novel, and it follows a Japanese-American fashionista, And she, you know, her mom thinks that her hobby for making clothes is a distraction from her working on a portfolio for like a fine arts college. So uh, when her estranged grandparents invite her to Japan for spring break, uh, she kind of seizes the opportunity uh, to go to Kyoto. And while she's in Kyoto, she meets Akira, who is a cute med student who moonlights as a costume mochi mascot. This sounds super adorable. I I went to I was lucky enough to go to Kyoto uh two years ago. Uh it was raining a lot, so I didn't get to see a lot of like the pretty stuff mm-hmm. because we we were just soaked in rain the oh, entire no. time. So it would be nice to like read more about it yeah. and see what I missed out on. I was there last year and it was beautiful. Well, you went during like the cherry blossom yeah. season. Yeah, like the most beautiful. <laughs> like I went during like typhoon season. <laughs> um, yeah, that's by our friend Sarah Kuhn who wrote uh, Heroin Complex, the Heroin Complex uh, series, which was our first ever book club pick for the Yeah, we also interviewed her. So check out yeah. that episode. And She writes good sexy scenes. Yeah, she does. But this is a YA novel, so I uh, doubt that it has that. Tasteful, cute, tasteful, sexy tas- scenes. Tasteful, cute. <laughs> um, next up, I have Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim, and that comes out on July 30th. And the book has been pitched as Project Runway meets Mulan. Two keywords that I am very, very much into. <laughs> I am so excited. Um So it follows Maya Tamarin, who dreams of becoming the greatest tailor in the land. But because she's a girl, she really can't follow her dreams. And the best she can hope for is to marry well. And when a royal messenger summons her father, who is kind of suffering from illness, um, she poses as a boy and takes his place as a tailor. Um, And this... Kind. This is kind of like a big deal because if she gets found out, she gets killed. But so basically, Mulan. Basically, <laughs> basically Mulan. But she gets to the palace and she realizes that she has to compete for the job against twelve other tailors, and um, she has to sew three magical dress- dresses from the sun, the moon, and the stars. Uh-huh. I don't know what that means, but it sounds amazing. I want this book. And one will be eliminated every week. Yes. I wonder if like <laughs> I wonder if there's like a Tim Gunn character and I'm like really excited to find uh, out. Probably a eunuch of some sort. Probably. <laughs> and the last book I have on my list is The Downstairs Girl by Stacy Lee and it releases on August 13th. It's so far away, but I'm excited for it. Uh, it's set in 1890 Atlanta. And the book follows 17-year-old Joe Kwan, who works as a lady's maid for the cruel daughter of one of the wealthiest men in Atlanta. 
Uh, by night, Joe moonlights as an advice columnist for genteel Southern ladies under the pseudonym Miss Sweetie. And her column becomes wildly popular, and she kind of uses the power of her writing to address some of society's uh, issues, such as, like, um, I guess, like, women should be able to vote, yada, yada, yada. But uh, she's not prepared for the backlash that follows when her column challenges fixed ideas about race and gender. As they do. Um, I'm excited to see a story that takes place in Georgia in the 1890s. Because, like, when do you ever see, like, Asian characters from that time period, really? Yeah. I mean, 1890s, most of them are probably on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, so... I really, really want to read it. I haven't read any of Stacey Lee's books, but she has a pretty good portfolio. Like, she has Outrun the Moon and uh, a couple of other historical novels that people should check out. Yeah. A lot of books to read. Are you, are you resetting your goal to read 100 books this year? No. <laughs> no. I'm just going to read whatever I fancy and not push myself. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I guess for me, uh, I don't really have. I can name two books that you might be well, I, excited. I have for. two books which are sequels to books that I've really liked. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Well, because I've told you this before, so you already uh, know. <laughs> d- really, I don't know. I, I think I can guess. Uh, so, Jade War, obviously, yes, and the sequel to Poppy War. Um, uh, is that coming out this year? Yeah, it's coming out this year. Oh, then I have three books because the other one is the True Queen, the, the sequel to Sorcerer to the Crown. Oh, that's coming right. out in March. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, excited to uh, check out the sequel to. Well, this was like our third book, probably fourth book. It yeah, was early. It on. It was very early on. Yeah, excited to get back in that world. Um, definitely, as these books come out, we're gonna be. I guess, giving our impressions as we read them, hopefully, mm-hmm. as well as we should definitely get these authors on on the podcast to talk about their books. I'll try to read as I'll, I'll try to read as fast as I can. Right now, I have about three or four books that are galleys, and I really <laughs> have to get through them in order for me to uh, see if we have time to interview them, if it's like if it fits our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I just have been really bad at reading books lately. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's because I like keep watching TV and I really should stop doing that. That could be a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to give up one of your uh, one of your hobbies for a short while in order yeah. to get some books read. Ask yourself, does this spark joy? <laughs> it's a really complicated uh, answer. Um, it does, but only for like brief moments. <laughs> right. Instant like, gratification, joy. That still counts as joy, I think. Maybe. Um, but yeah, lots of books to look forward to. Tons more coming out. Um, definitely, those of you who are listening, and if you have your own books you want to recommend or gush about or talk about, um, please, please, please uh, use our Goodreads forums to spread the word. Um, we really would love to... Uh, have more people talk about more books, even the books that we're not reading, um, just so we can get more get more conversation out there. There's like 400 of you on our on our list. Where are you only- <laughs> at? Like, <laughs> and only a few of you comment. So uh, definitely, uh, we would love to hear from you. 
Um, but on that note, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Hope you're as excited as we are about the year to come, especially all the great, great books that are coming out. Uh, I got to get busy reading Rainbirds, which is our January book club pick. Uh, Rira, how far are you on uh, Grace of Kings? Um, I read the pronunciation page. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. That's something I want to talk to authors about, especially like ones that write epic fantasy, which is like, how do you come up with your naming conventions? Because like you're essentially creating languages that are inspired by Asian languages, which is wild and probably really hard. So the next uh, fantasy or sci-fi author we interview, we <laughs> ask them, so how do you name your character? <laughs> well, thank you, Rira, for... Um, for my really long list of books that oh. we totally did not need in this episode, but I we decided to do it. anyway. We definitely needed it because we needed to put out an episode with good content, and that's what I rely on you for. Yep. All I do is comment and react to them. So, I mean, you, you also giving. do all the tech stuff. You know how many times like people have asked me, like, how many... How many people listen to your podcast every month? And I'm like, I don't know. Marvin a takes care of A lot of people. I, <laughs> I was looking at our numbers and we, our listenership grew 150% over 2018. Whoa. Yeah. How are you guys finding us? <laughs> Let us know in the Goodreads forums. Yeah. Or on Twitter. Um, and like, it's always crazy to see us listed on, uh, on lists online too. We just got put on bookish's list for podcast list until 2019. I saw your tweet. You, like you said like, oh, it's weird that the logo that Rira and I just like slapped, slapped together. I mean, literally we slapped it together. <laughs> it was, so the, the story about the logo is that I didn't have Photoshop, but I kind of had a rough idea of like what I wanted the logo to look like. So I had to find public domain images right. and I sent it to Marvin. It was kind of like the prototype for our logo. Mm -hmm. And Marvin was like, I can make this. <laughs> <laughs> so he like pretty much remade the images that I sent him. And that was our logo. Yep. And now it's on the cover page of this list of podcasts. So, you know, I'm, pr I'm feeling pretty good about my branding and my design skills. <laughs> you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we were looking forward to another year of reading books with you. Yeah, it's we're, we're on our third year. That's yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> and thank you all for listening and joining us on this journey. Uh, again, you can find... Uh, again, you can engage with us on our Goodreads group page at goodreads.com. Uh, just go to Goodreads and search Books and Boba. Um, special thanks again to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective Asian-American hosted podcast uh, featuring unique voices and stories from our from all around our community. Uh, we love being a part of this group, and we're excited for the new year of podcasting. Uh, you can find out more about the Potluck Podcast Collective and check out all of our great shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks also to Visual Communications. Uh, we're recording this podcast at the Potluck Studios located within the Office of Visual Communications, a nonprofit uh, media organization uh, supporting Asian American storytellers and filmmakers. Um, they're the amazing group uh, who put on the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival and run the Armed with the Camera Fellowship. Thank you for letting us record in your space. You can learn more about their programs by going to the website, bconline.org. And on that note, don't forget to read Rainbirds. We'll see you next time to talk about it. All right. Bye. Bye.